mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast where we talk about the culture we love, society can sometimes make us feel bad about. My name is Caroline O'Donoghue, and how dare you say that my behaviour is unacceptable? Joining me is author, features director of Cosmopolitan, and I shiver when I hear her name, Katrina Innes. Ah, that was really good. I was, <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to do. <laughs> That's really exciting. I mean, there's so much to choose yeah. from. I um, I thought about everyone has a secret. Oh, very good, yeah. And uh, and this city's getting crazy and we must get out. She does not walk, she runs instead. <laughs> She does not walk, she runs instead. <laughs> instead. <laughs> so today we're talking about the 2003 album Maroon 5's Songs About Jane. This is not an album that I revisit a lot. However, I think in terms of my own musical coming of age, it's probably the most important album of my young life. I would agree. I mean, I also listen to it all the time. <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> I love it. When I was Googling how long ago it was out, I was like... I think I've listened to that album every year for the past 19 years or whenever it came out. It was like 18, 19 years ago. It, it's funny for, for an album that at the time it came out, it was really sort of dismissed as being um, many things sort of like too pretty, too polished, too boy band, too um, sort of, you know, cynically for a, a horny teenage girl mm-hmm. audience. The one thing you cannot come for with Songs About Jane is the absolute musicianship. And I think it's because of that musicianship, it really holds up. Yeah, I, I mean, I also am such a lyric obsessive. Yeah. And I just love this. It's all about this one woman. And I love to analyze all those lyrics. And that's kind of what's kept me going all these years is just thinking about that love story. And admittedly, just putting myself right into that love story. Like, I learned that there's people that do fan fiction about that love story. Like, it's really captured the hearts of, well... A small number of people. <laughs> I would think. I would think a huge number of yeah. people. Um, and I, I honestly think that there are many very clever things that Maroon Five did that made it so they weren't just a band. They were. They became like a huge sensation. And I think the smartest of all was calling the album "Songs About Jane." So clever, yeah. Because first of all, it's this thing of like everybody. It's the most normal Jane. It's like mm-hmm. a Jane Doe or whatever. But so it could be about anyone. And there's really there's no descriptions within the album of how she looks, how she acts. She's a sort of the whole relationship is sort of a blank canvas. And that blank canvas (laughs) also looks like Adam Levine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so the the idea that Jane, these all these horny, horny Mm -hmm. songs, because it is essentially an album about sex and desire could be about any girl and therefore could be about you yeah i mean i do think it's about me i think (laughs) (laughs) no i think you're wrong because it's about me (laughs) and jane is just somewhere listening being like it's about me guys (laughs) yeah um yeah i just i 
really think and I look back on my relationships because I came out of um it basically no one fancied me in high school I was the girl that boys literally left spin the bottle if I was playing um oh, and then <laughs> this album came out when I was 17 so I was kind of starting to pull boys and I realized looking back I was so intense in my relationships because this set the kind of like blueprint for how boys feel about women and how they write about women and for me yeah. I was like oh my god I'm gonna get someone to be this obsessed with me like this is it and I was thinking back there was a boy that I had a crush on and I used to phone him every night and I am convinced that he said to me you can call me anytime you want but that was Adam Levine I don't think that man ever said that to me <laughs> and in fact he did not exist <laughs> he was but a projected figment of my own Adam yeah. Levine. Like I look back, oh, I'm really sorry. I thought you were that into me, but it wasn't. It was just I listened to this album yeah. so much; it became my own love story. I I feel very so. The, 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 a couple of years between us, but we're of the same sort of generation. I was 13 when it came out, and and I think what was especially special about this album for me was it was a very much a cruising through the music channels very late at night um, on my own, and then the harder to breathe video coming mm. up and it being sort of everything I liked about music that sort of thing that it it's guitar led and it sounds edgy but to, to me at 13 but you know in, in retrospect not really that edgy yeah. at all quite slick quite produced <laughs> um, but it the the sort of the clanging of it the that whole thing of it and just his face and how he acted mm-hmm. in the video and, and all of that and it was the first time I had ever discovered something for myself and then I went to all the music shops in Cork and nobody had heard of them mm-hmm. I don't think the album was even out yet so I was yeah I was 13 so it, it was, came out in 2003 and then going back every single week to to see if it was out, and then finally one day it was, and there was two copies, and then slowly the album taking off, and mm-hmm. then that being you know unmissable, it being everywhere, she will be loved, being on every radio station, and it felt like the first time I was like, oh, my fingers on the pulse. That's exactly yeah, I felt exactly the same. I remember just being like, I am so cool. I mean, I went from like Steps Gold album yes. to this album, so I was like. I'm really cool. I'm an indie chick. I'm an indie chick. (laughs) I know this cool album. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're Maroon 5. When actually I did discover them. On a music channel. On a music channel. (laughs) And because they're in the Love Actually soundtrack. (laughs) That is so funny. I remember all the other bands that I loved. Um, I got exclusively off the like Spider-Man soundtracks or the Shrek soundtracks. Yeah, the soundtracks are a really good gateway to find. They really were back yeah. then when like you didn't have you didn't really have any proper internet no. and and all that and yeah and yeah finding like Rufus Wainwright in Shrek two and um and Matchbox twenty on Spider-Man two um, <laughs> sequels a good time for soundtracks. Um, but then I remember that feeling of being a cool indie chick who discovers bands all by herself. Um flipped on me so quickly it really did yeah. people, because I'd say we, within a year of me discovering this mm. band it went from like no I've never heard of that stupid fucking sounding band Caroline to you like that stupid fucking band Caroline yeah exactly because I went from listening I worked in Boots the Chemist and then I went to work in a pub across the road where it was full of actual indie men so I was trying yeah. to impress them <laughs> with my Maroon 5 knowledge yeah. and they were just like oh I can't believe you like that and then it became a little bit of like my shameful secret where I didn't talk about it, but I just listened to it every lunch hour still. Like, yeah, it, it's so funny, isn't it? How uh, like 
I, I suppose another comparison would be a band like Mumford and Sons, which is a band that went instantly from mm-hmm. no one knowing them to um, being incredibly popular and everyone hating them everyone with, hated within them. about nine months of uh, their conception. And I think the same happened with the Killers Hot Fuss because I yeah. remember someone in that same pub introduced me to the Killers and was like, oh, you'll like this band. Then yes. six months later, he was erasing history and acting like I was the loser for liking the killers <laughs> erasing history it, I, it's funny because I think that we really came of age during this great churn of music mm-hmm. and like I think maybe now it's slightly different because people listen to Spotify and they listen to one song off a band and then it's kind of more drip fed to them yeah and the idea of there being huge albums by guitar led bands is not as much of a thing anymore it's not as much of a thing and actually Adam Levine is currently getting slagged off a lot because he just said there's not yeah. many bands anymore and loads of bands are being like we're a band Adam Levine like what <laughs> yeah. are you on about but he's right but I think that's kind of what he must have meant he just phrased it you phrased it better than Adam <laughs> yeah no, no but like he's he's yeah. like uh, I, I think he's a very hateable person mm-hmm. now I think what's happened with Adam Levine is very similar to the James Corden effect yeah it's be- like when I think of both of those people, I think of like, I remember you when you were young and full mm-hmm. of feeling and you seem to really identify with like humanity and sensuality. G- Gavin and Stacey, you could line up next to songs about Jane yeah. of being like, look at you being a person. Yeah. <laughs> look at you just being yourself. Yeah. Writing about this girl you met in a gas station having a nice time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Writing about these nice people in mm. Wales and Essex. Yeah. And then it seems like their ambition and they're they're sort of you know they've they've had this never ending chase for fame mm-hmm. that is never sated because the stakes just, they just keep making the stakes bigger for themselves and then they have slowly gone from being recognisable human beings to being like um someone who looks like they co-host the Hunger Games talk show <laughs> in the off season <laughs> do you know what I mean like it's that kind of shiny the capital it's just gone, look yeah. you know I saw them once at the O2 and he played to um track some songs about Jane and no one stood up it was just me dancing <gasps> having a lovely time what? and then he played songs about Jagger and the whole place songs came about up. Jagger <laughs> and songs about Jagger songs about Jagger, about Jagger. Oh my god why is that so That's the moves? funniest thing I've ever heard <laughs> moves like Jagger <laughs> songs about he should have done songs about Jagger <laughs> that makes more sense it makes much more sense <laughs> God, this is how obsessed I was on their biggest hit. I can't even name it. It's funny because just because just before we started this podcast, you warned me sometimes that you get excited and that you lose the names for things. And here it is. Here it is. Songs for Jagger. Um, yes, yes. But everyone got up with songs about Jagger, and, and he just looked dead inside. Like I saw his eyes just go like, yeah. Oh, this is who I am now. And all those tattoos look like a Snapchat filter of himself. Yeah. Like, it's so... <laughs> it's so fake. Yeah. It, it's so hard to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm going to get to, like, a sort of track-by-track track listing. Okay. But first off, I kind of want to talk about what this album is, is about in, in the wide. Um, which, you know, it's an, it's, it's an album about a relationship, but it's an album about sex. Mm-hmm. And for me, someone like who obviously there was sex chat happening in music in the noughties. And I think most of it was happening in R&B. I think most of it was happening like Usher, Ashanti, artists like that who were having like very like se- like sensual R&B hits. But for whatever reason, I wasn't drawn to R&B. No. I was very much about guitar music and indie music. 
Um, well, that's just because I can't move my hips when dancing, so I just, I just had to get away from that's R&B. The thing, the thing about R&B is if you're a shit dancer, yeah, it really reveals familiar. you very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're just a very like long white girl. <laughs> floating about yeah no yes and you could sort of hide yourself with indie music much more couldn't Mm -hmm. you um but for me i mean i feel like the sort of miniature thesis of this season of the podcast is about what the noughties were like for 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 girls growing up and i feel like it it is one of the most conservative times for women Uh, and what and by what i mean by that is that there was a huge rush of sexual content but all of it was, and it was very, very, um, what's the word, explicit? Like, it was the age of the celebrity porn tape, It was, yeah. uh, which I saw all of them because I had brothers and they were like, oh, yeah. kind yeah. of thing. I've watched the long version of the Pamela and Tom Lee, Tom Lee <laughs> one, <laughs> like the 20 minutes. Which, the, one of the better ones, I think. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. The Colin Farrell one and the Pamela Anderson one are actually very tender mm-hmm. and all the other ones are depressing and awful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was sort of the world of kind of male magazines ladette culture where basically there was a very narrow remit for female sexuality it had to be for sort of male titillation Mm. and it was cloaked in shame and it was a really confusing time to come of age I think because traditionally I think the fear around female sexuality had always been around pregnancy and by the early noughties and the shame around sexuality has been pregnancy by the early noughties that was less of a thing because birth control was widely available but what happened was there was this intense surveillance culture because of phones because of blogs because of all this new stuff that was happening because of sex tapes that completely replaced the idea of sexuality and pregnancy and that being the scary thing to the idea of like just shame just blanket shame everyone knowing everyone yeah. seeing your disgusting vagina everyone's like yeah handing photos out in school i remember was like yeah. literal like printed out photos of girls was handed out in school which oh yeah and, and like every every sort of like city or county or whatever had its own sort of like oh a girl is a friend of a friend of a friend there's a grainy picture of someone sticking a coke bottle into her do you know what I mean yeah. or something <laughs> like awful it awful a really grim time like yeah. really 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 grim time and if you're like a teenage girl and experiencing desire for the first time there really wasn't very much to tell you that it was okay and for me this album was that yeah it definitely does that because also I mean, he's very explicit. Like he says, like the, he's got that fingers line, which yeah. got um, censored. I think it was taken off of the music channels. Yeah. My pressure on your hips sink in, in my, my fingertips. fingertips. That's the one. Yeah, um, it's so hot. It's, it's so, so sensual. Hot. Like I know it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's, about, it's explicitly about fingering. Yeah, it's so, so sexy. It's so sexy. And the other thing I love is that actually Jane has a lot of control in the album. Yeah, it's not just him taking her. Like he's trying to. Like at one point, he's like, I'm trying to can't remember the lyric but he's trying to please her and she cannot be like yeah she cannot be pleased or he she's insatiable she just wants more and more and more of him yeah. and like oh in sweets goodbye it's like push your finger pushing hips back and forth it's and like it's i'm just, pushing forward and arching back uh, arching back yeah, yeah it yeah. was so hot but i felt she was in control it wasn't just him taking yes her. and the whole kind of frame of the album is very much like this is a relationship that's untenable but we are so attracted to one another and the sex we have is so good. That we can't keep away from each other, yeah. yeah. And that blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, it was all I wanted. It was, I mean, it was all, all, all I anyone wanted. wants, even still. Yeah, still not. Yeah. Yes, and like, yeah, and it's, yeah, 
and the the other line I always think of as well is um I can't remember what song it is on I'm sure we'll get to it but he's um it's a song about having sex in the car and he's sort of saying um as you wipe off beads of sweat oh, slowly you say I'm not there, there yet. yet yeah and that's the other one it's like she's actually owning her orgasm which you didn't yeah. get it's amazing it's really, really good <laughs> and just like I, I I don't know about you but I was as I said 13 when this came out and then I was sort of 14 when I was really listening to it a lot and it was one of the five albums I owned but I was somebody who was like very dreamy and naive and like not that long out of Barbies emotionally mm-hmm. speaking but at the same time I felt very sexual and I felt like so really insatiable myself and like I really wanted to have sex and this was such a great thing to have in my arsenal of culture you know yeah exactly I was the same because even though I was a little bit older as I say in school boys just weren't interested I didn't yeah. have that and it was just at the time when I was working in this oh, sorry uh, working in this bar full of boys um, like thinking of myself as this sexy person and thinking of myself as Jane yeah yeah and I just really like being Jane <laughs> <laughs> because yeah exactly because she's so blank she's so blank she, yeah. and you couldn't find her I spent so I mean I found her now because yeah. the the internet's much more advanced but back then you just couldn't find her I spent hours I remember just trying to figure out who this person was yeah. and you couldn't and I think that was almost a blessing yes yes because she is so beautiful yeah <laughs> we've all seen pictures of her now because she was in the, the, the This Love video right so oh was that, she that's her <gasps> is that her oh, so he says yeah oh I watched a lot of interviews with him last night I didn't know that was her that's even more interesting because I've just been stalking her current Instagram oh um, <laughs> which has been and you found out some very interesting facts about it didn't you yes I found out that she's married to this man called Mark who I was like he's just a plain looking man um, but then I looked him up and he it's Mark Webb <laughs> yeah he is the director of 500 Days of Summer yeah which I'm also obsessed with because she's very Zoe Deschanel like and now he's married to her and it's oh just a God. whole other and now I've kind of oh my of, God the whole other layer a whole other layer that he She's just so additional like and he's married to her and then I got into my head that maybe of the why he would do this, he could make a movie of the songs about Jane relationship. <laughs> oh my god. It's so true. Because it's just such a movie like relationship, the one that I've made up in my head. Of course, of course. Is like I think would make a great rom com mark. The, but the thing is the five hundred days summer for, I haven't seen that movie in a long oh, time. Me neither, and it's yeah. probably ripe for a sentimental garbage rewatch. Um but it's it is about this thing of like this man's obsession with this girl mm-hmm. and she's he's they've got this huge amount of chemistry but it can never really work and he's constantly chasing her which is what songs about, what Jane, songs is. about Jane is about but then I suppose a lot of male art is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we're being generous <laughs> just like linking them so the first track on the album is Harder to Breathe so Harder to Breathe is actually my least favourite really of all the songs and I was reading that it's the one that he says isn't about Jane yeah. But I believe it is about Jane because I believe it's when he got arrogant because in my head he pursued Jane in high school. She was the hotter one. Mm-hmm. Then he got... There was always a power imbalance in their relationship and harder to breathe is when he's like, do you know what? I'm fucking good in bed. Um, <laughs> you want me. Yes. Okay. So I think it's about... So he. So what I, what I discovered last night and what blew my mind was that Adam Levine maintains that this song is about him 
because the, the relationship was breaking up at the same time that the band were going into the studio so it was sort of this real push and pull time for them and about about going in and, and it's about pressure from the record label to make more songs to make the album longer that's what he says it's about mm. and as someone who's currently on a book deadline <laughs> I find that very <laughs> resonant resonant rather <laughs> so that that opening verse of how dare you say that my behaviour is unacceptable so condescending unnecessarily critical I have the tendency of getting very physical and then this sort of thing of um, you know you're not fit to fucking tread the ground that I'm walking mm. on it's so just the creative's arrogance of like leave me alone leave me. <laughs> and also I'm really glad to learn this because the watch your step are you going to need a miracle I got a bit worried I was like is this a bit domestic abuse yeah. it doesn't quite fit in I, it's, it doesn't play into my narrative of what their relationship was like yeah. so that makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense yeah no I agree because that does sound quite aggressive this is very like, aggressive just, yeah. you know, to start this like big emotional love album yeah. <laughs> like I'll fucking hit you you yeah. bitch yeah, exactly it's not what no, I wanted no. it's about the record suits it's about the records <laughs> but yeah this then to cut from that sort of like frustrated like I think to, to begin an album about the and have it be about the creative um you know, frustrations of making the album is quite cool. Oh, that's very clever, yeah. Yeah, and then to cut to this chorus of like, is there anyone out th- is there an- is there anyone out there? Because it's getting harder harder and harder to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> but that thing, I, I, you know, I relate. I relate to it because there is that thing of like when you feel your um, profile getting suddenly bigger. Like you do feel like you're being crushed a bit. Yeah, as and now he's so crushed. <laughs> I'm so worried for him. Yeah, th- it's really the song that should be coming out now. Yeah, it really should be. <laughs> sort of claustrophobic sense. Yeah. And I think what's so important, what, what sort of nails it as a, as a sex album very early <laughs> on, is this thing of it's the breathing. Yeah. The <sighs> yeah. And just looking at that lovely. Fa- and we just That's have like- to talk because if we don't get out of the way now, we're going to keep coming back to it. Just how attractive he is. He's just so, so gorgeous. And his, the set, I feel he just grew from first to second. So I don't know if we're allowed to talk about the second album, but in the second album is when I think he reached his peak. And then he's, but I think it's because I grew with him as well. Yeah. But the cheekbones, the, I, and at the time he just was that like innocent rocker, but who would treat you badly at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the, it, he looks like somebody, how, how like a, a YA hero would be described. Yeah. The sort of kind of skinny, like the very pale skin, the black hair, the big eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just my, my dream of what a man should look like. Me too, really. yeah. And again, I projected him on, because I look back, all oh, these these boys that I fancied, and I thought they looked like him. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, they didn't. They didn't look like him. They really didn't. You <laughs> were really, really projecting. <laughs> Oh, so good. Okay, is there anything else on Harder to Breathe that you... No, I don't think so. You, you yes, don't rate it? I don't rate it. It's um, nah, I like a little bit more now that I know it's not about Jane, but it's just because it never fit into my Jane narrative. <laughs> and that's the main thing. <laughs> okay. I imagine this love fits very well into your Jane Oh, yeah, narrative. because that's the break, that is the breakup song. Yeah. Um, and I remember I used to get... There was a Valentine's compilation album out at the time. <laughs> called this love that used this love in the adverts and I remember like screaming at the television being like listen to the lyrics that is a breakup song oh my god this should not be on the only I understand what this is about that song 
that song means so much to me for for so many reasons. Uh, but like that, the way it just comes in with that piano, the bum 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 bum. It's just like like sonically, I don't think anything really sounded like that at the time. Obviously, I think that Maroon Five were referencing a lot of like old school soul and R and B, like Stevie Wonder and and Barry White. I think was mm. something they listed, and Lauren Hill was obviously more contemporary. Um, but that that was that intro and the video with all the oranges and all that kind of stuff was was really beautiful to me. But it was also I was learning to play guitar at the time. Ah, and. Uh, this love you can't play this love without learning bar chords and I don't know if you know guitar at all not at all no I mean I don't really know much about like I'm such a lyric person yeah when people talk about the melodies or is melody even the right word yeah I guess I'm just like oh oh yeah that is a good point about the song <laughs> <laughs> no so I'm generally that person too but for so, I think because I've just listened to this so much mm-hmm. um so a bar chord is when you have to put your entire finger across the oh. neck of the guitar hold down every string and then make a chord shape with the other fingers I mean that is hot that Adam Levine can do <laughs> Adam Levine can do that I agree and up until that point I only knew how to do sort of open faced chords which is like the you know the ones that you see or whatever and I I was so horny for this song and needed to be able to play it so I could connect with Adam (laughs) that I I learned how to do bar chords and there are there's like if you're a little girl as much I was it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life up until that point it was the first thing I determinedly tried because it's so painful on your poor little fingies (laughs) did it for Adam I did it for Adam somewhere he knows I think he does I think that like honestly I felt a feeling so strong (laughs) to make to make the shapes in the guitar um, and uh, and so yeah, that really it really kicked up my musicianship. There we go. And fancying that man. <laughs> yeah. How's the guitar now? I don't really play yeah. anymore. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's interesting to me because that video was so controversial, I think. Yeah, because that was the one that they, he was saying that they had to cut a lot of the lyrics from yeah. and replace them and it was intentional of him to make the lyrics so sexual because he was yeah. sick of people just being like ooh baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, which I really artistically I really respect from a really young artist yeah because he's right because uh, there was a lot of sex in songs but a lot of it was like come up to my bedroom yeah and, like, and then just cut off yeah close so, the door that's yeah. it kind of thing and and it, yeah the again the explicit references to fingering which I read in an interview he said I loved it because I know it would drive my ex-girlfriend wild. Which is another thing I just love about this album is yeah. 
the story of him releasing it and her listening to it and him thinking about her and it's just another yeah. layer of the album that I'm obsessed with and yeah how I mean I was trying to figure out if he'd written any songs about Behati Prinsloo um his current wife and I oh, can't right. really find any and I just wonder if she's just like where's my album I know I know <laughs> I checked to see whether uh, Behati Prinsley follows Jane on social media, um, and she doesn't. I oh. just and I even checked to see if she followed Jane's denim brand because I thought that was <laughs> a clever way of her stalking Jane without <laughs> Adam knowing. Adam oh knowing, obsessed no, with you. I just love the jeans. <laughs> um, the denim brand, but she doesn't. <laughs> so. Oh my god and like yeah and i remember very clearly there was a um there was like a daytime edit of that video as well of um there being kind of flowers over it do yes. you remember that yes like kind of washing yeah the, the screen the, yeah. yeah yeah and that was sort of but if you watch the sort of unedited version you can see sort of more of their like hips and their arses <laughs> it's just so i just think i just always think that thing about adam is it about Adam our friend Adam my <laughs> boyfriend <laughs> I felt at the time I don't think he gives this off now but I always felt at the time that he is someone who just loved all women and loved yeah. women's bodies and yes. wouldn't shame you I I got this feeling as someone like with a belly with a bum even though he was dating a lot of models at the time yeah that Adam would go with me like I just got that feeling that he just yeah. loved women I get the same feeling from um Harry Styles, that kind of just respect for yeah women from which made him very sexy, and I it came across quite well. Yeah, he seems like the kind of guy who would watch you get ready. For yeah, a night Do you know what I mean, who'd be kind of very interested of like, oh, what are you doing now? What are you, you doing know? now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, yeah, he just seems very like, yeah, exactly, very respectful and very worshipy of mm, women. Worshipy of women, yeah. Which yeah, of all women of all like sizes, yeah. Like, everything i just always got that from him back then which is mad considering he's only dated women of like a very traditional beauty standard <laughs> to still give off that to vibe give off that vibe i don't know how he's done it but i, I mean he, i don't think he does it now yeah no i, I don't... wouldn't get in a bikini in front of adam levine now no no i think he would like come up to me and be like you know if you just eat less protein yeah whatever you can you can look like he's this quite like, a gym bro now yeah and he's always talking about how yoga is good for sex and i'm like oh. that you've you've overcooked it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um but to go back to him seeming like he has a huge amount of desire for all kinds of women i was watching a lot of very old interviews with him and jesse carmichael who was kind of the other main co-writer and his sort of childhood best friend and you know that's the thing about Maroon 5 all those lads have been together since they were 14 yeah. in Cara's Flowers in Cara's, yeah. <laughs> which all super fans know about um, but they he was they were on one of those stupid like very early noughties like the AOL music mm, hour yeah. or something and they were asking him all these quick fire questions and they were, he went they went down celebrity crush and he went Diane Lane oh wow like who at that point was in her you know mid forties, yeah. like and not like a huge actress. He was like, I, he's like, I just think she's so sexy. Oh, I love. Isn't that. that great? That's really great. That's really added more to Adam. It really has. Like, to, like for a twenty like two year old guy, to yeah. be like Diane Lane, like, <laughs> just... is amazing to me. I know I'm giving him too much credit because obviously she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like in the She Will Be Loved video, he talked about how he wanted to get Kelly Preston in, mm. and he thought she was so gorgeous. Like, he said this real like horny love for like mummies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We. Yo. <laughs> I really respect that. I know. Yeah, it's very hot. Love. Um, all right. 
going right on to yet another boning song, which is Shiver. Shiver. Do you know, I counted the number of times he talks about sex in this album, mm-hmm. fresh references, and it's only actually 11 in the whole album. Like 11, 11, 11 explicit, references, explicit to sex. references to sex. Well, I thought it'd be more. Huh. Anyway, <laughs> this is a little fat die. <laughs> um, yeah. So, sh- shiver when you hear you- I shiver when I hear your name. Think about you both now. The thing about these songs as they go on is that a lot of there are so many references musically. I know you're not really, as you say, a melodies mm-hmm. person, but they they do sound like they're referencing like Lenny Kravitz or Prince, but also like the Backstreet Boys. Like I think "Shiver" is very much one of those songs. It, it, that delivery of "I shiver when I hear yeah. your name," it feels like you can hear, you can see, like in sync doing like a little an like, elbow yeah, or like a, a, well, a shimmy. shiver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can imagine like a big video of them with the puppet strings and all yeah. that kind of thing. And um, it, to go back to the, all those interviews I was watching last night, uh, one of those quickfire questions that they were getting after the his your celebrity crush and he said they said well, what's the biggest misconception about Maroon 5 and he just said that we're not a real band mm. and and he was like yeah like people people think we're we're a boy band and he's yeah. Like, yeah he was like yeah and there's there's he was kind of shrugged he's like there's elements of us to that um of that to us but so were the beatles oh, i find that really horny. really yeah <laughs> i mean everything about the way he thought about what he was going to do and making... I remember I read one where he said that he wanted these lyrics to feel really, really, really real. Yeah. And that's and then all the band members were like, yeah, we need him to go through like another insane up and down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> relationship. Then, like, it's it's very a very old school, very romantic um, view of creation, isn't it? Because yeah, like, you know, we're, we're both authors, we're both writers. Like, honestly... I've never had a situation where it's like I went through a really dramatic thing and then the thing and the, that I based all of it on and there's references to my real life in it like that just doesn't happen I just sit down and do it yeah yeah and I'm sure there's loads of things that I read in again because in my head Shiver is basically they they got together at high school then they mm-hmm. went away okay. on like a gap year each and Shiver is him they're part at this point of the relationship and you yeah. can't stop thinking about her. Um, but I'm sure it's just like, it's like when I write characters, I'm blending all these different experiences together and he will be doing the same. Because he yes. only says that there's like lyrics in each song related to Jane. Whereas for me, everything Every is single thing everything is Jane. Everything is Jane. Yeah. So. yeah. Because that makes everything about you. Yeah, yeah. Because he shivers when he hears my name. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks about me and it's not the same. I love I love girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so right. Everything is Jane. Yeah, yeah everything is everything Jane. Everything is Jane. Um, we talked slightly about "She Will Be Loved" already, but it was almost my it was always my least favorite song on the album. Oh, it's the song I want played at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Right. <laughs> one because my friends say that when they hear this song, I think because they knew how much I love Maroon Five, and it was yeah. one of the ones that was played a lot on the radio, mm-hmm. but also because it helps me rewrite my history as this like as this mysterious um beauty queen yeah the be- who's got troubles with herself um <laughs> i don't have troubles with myself like, a very straightforward <laughs> woman but i just always fantasize the idea of like do you know around this time all rom-coms yeah 
women are like huffy and they're a bit mean when they first meet men and then the, yeah. the men win them over and I am extremely polite. Um, <laughs> no, I, you're delighted <laughs> upon first impression. This is the first time we've met. I'm very charmed. I'm just very polite. I'm not rude to people. <laughs> but yeah, I fantasize about being one of these people with a, yeah. with a, a straight fringe and who's rude and... I mean, not saying that all people with fringes are rude. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely enough evidence out there. Um, and she will be loved played into what I wanted to be. And again, Aww. it played into this idea that if someone loved me that much, they would be... I love the like idea of like, he's there anytime she wants him. Like for... Yeah. This is kind of, for me, a less sexual song. It's more like he's there for problems. She can call him anytime she wants. I mean, he does sit in the car and like watch her house and it's a bit creepy but yeah yeah i just i mean it just to me symbolized what true love was and Aww. in a way i mean i'm married now to a very nice man we don't have like an up and down but we just didn't have that but um yeah it just i just wanted that so badly and yeah. i used to just listen to it and think that this boy that worked in this theater with me had written it for me and Aww. it just really elevated that i love crushes i love having yeah, crushes same. so much have them all the time keep you, you going yeah they keep uh, like they keep my relationship going like i just and i love to invest my imagination into that crush more than the crush itself and this song for me was my crush on this boy that worked in the theater rap and yeah as i say he just was adam levine this boy i love this so, so much so sweet i i completely know where you're what you're saying as well because I'm I'm the same I'm like very much I've always been a serial monogamist I've never been I remember this conversation I had with with Dolly once and she I was like she was kind of moaning about being single or something and I I was like um you know men want to kiss you on top of the Eiffel Tower and men want to fart on the sofa with me (laughs) and don't think I don't wish I was you sometimes (laughs) men do not want to kiss me on top of the Eiffel Tower they want to stand at the base of the Eiffel Tower and complain how expensive (laughs) it is to get up there But it's not worth it. I've heard it's bad. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, so, I'm so, I so know what you're saying. I'm like, I, I've always felt like such a, like a girl next door type, and that's kind of my appeal. That's who I am, and I'm just like a soft lady. And like, but I would love to be like a complicated woman that a man will be there for, regardless of what she does, because I see the real you yeah, underneath that harsh exterior. That exactly. Like I will go and I will sit and I watch street buskers and sit and just imagine that street busker falling in love with me just like and it's just a nice way to spend my lunch hour <laughs> i have such a crush on you after this this is so dear to me i love this all right we have to we have to get through all these songs man yeah there's a lot um okay uh next one is tangled and i love tangled oh i love tangled um and Tangled to me, sorry, I, I don't know if this is in any way interesting. This is fabulous. <laughs> this is You are the perfect guest because you are only sincere emotions, which is exactly what we go for here. So Tangled to me is not actually about Jane. <laughs> it's about the girl he cheats on Jane with and she's got <gasps> tangled in the web. Um, and she's oh, that's innocent, good. And she's got tangled in the web of him and he's using her... He, Whenever Jane rejected him, he'd go running to this girl, which you can I can just yeah. imagine. I think it happens a lot. There's, a, I mean, I probably, I'm not Jane. I probably am the girl entangled, <laughs> the one who just. I answers. completely <laughs> agree with this reading. This is absolutely canon. Yeah. Yes, this is exactly it because there's this thing of like, 
there's this idea you get from this this both Adam Adam Levine character in this album or whatever of like he is somebody who's kind of giving the best of himself and putting his best foot forward all the time in this completely untenable relationship and and is storing this great mass of resentment and irritation mm-hmm. and frustration the more he tries to make it work with yeah. this mythical Jane and that all of that energy is just being like fucking splunked on some random some woman some poor girl who thinks like he's just really hot I mean obviously yeah um, yeah and she is just an innocent caught in his web and you you really do ima- I'd really always do imagine it of just like like the kind of like hideous like borderline emotionally abusive fuckboy relationship yeah. would be like you up and him just like coming up to her flat and banging her and like saying two nice things and leaving yeah and then afterwards being like oh, I feel so guilty about this you must leave yeah. and it's like well maybe you should stop calling me at 4am <laughs> like you do have a choice in this Adam yeah like, yeah you say you're using her but do just stop calling her let, let her get on with her life yeah, she's and, really obsessed with you and he really he really wants her to be strong enough to be able to stop taking those calls but at the same time he's like I sort of need I this I need this yeah and he needs to and then every now and then he like goes to a party with her rubs her in Jane's face Jane's got oh. someone hotter there because Jane is also I think a bit of like a fuckboy in this relationship yeah yeah they just messed each other around oh very good <laughs> So glad, so good about this. Okay, great. Oh, also, I want to mention here a nice uh, factoid. Ooh. There's some backing vocals on this oh, track, yes! as there are many tracks, and it's by one, two, three, Rashida, Rashida Jones. Jones. That blew my mind. Rashida Jones. How? Wait, how? Thing is, she is Quincy, Quincy Jones's daughter. Um, so I guess she was doing some music bits. I'd say yeah. she was. Interning at the label, maybe? Yeah, I think I she was interning at the label. Just got called in <laughs> to go like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, or maybe they were friends with her because, like, the thing about... Maybe Rashida was the girl entangled. Maybe he was using her to oh get back God. at Jane. Because the thing is, even though Rashida Jones is really beautiful, she's she's one of us. She's one of us. She's, I think she's, she's, very she's at the polite. base of the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> yeah. being told it's too expensive yeah. to go to the Eiffel Tower. And she's in the recording with me like, guys, I'm really excited about this. This is exciting, isn't it? Ooh, what's that microphone? Ooh. Whereas Jane would just be like, yeah, microphone. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> I don't know why I feel like I have the right to relate to Rashida Jones. <laughs> Like, child of a rock legend, she beautiful does, woman. She does that very well. That is a skill of hers. Yeah, very, very, very <laughs> beautiful. Um, then we've got The Sun. Oh. I always, I love The Sun. I love The Sun. The Sun was the song that I would say to the boys in the bar, but have you listened to The Sun? Because that is, like, I just thought that that was also just a really cool, yeah, cool song. And I still, yeah, I still love it. It's so... It, even though I was listening to lyrics, and I was like, "Oh, also, I love sex. You slipped, sex. You slipped into my coffee. Yeah, I love that. I don't really know what he means by um, his mama's advice. I th- I think I know. As you said, you're not more. You're not really a like a melodies person. <laughs> Sorry, I keep bringing you back to this, <laughs> but it's more. Uh, well, my it was own... good for me to learn though, because I like like. <laughs> I've overanalyzed the lyrics to too much of an extreme degree. The story of Maroon Five is that they were this very straightforward indie band, and they were all from California, from very sort of a, like very rich backgrounds. They all had like I don't think they had famous parents, but I think they were all like owned all mm. owned businesses. Seems to be the vibe, and they all they kind of often refer in interviews to their very privileged background. And then um, two of them, Adam and Jesse, I think, went to university in New York, 
and they were sort of exposed to black music for the first time and they were exposed to rap and Lauryn Hill and, and all these Motown hits or whatever and then they started infusing that into their music. Then they got a new band member and they renamed as Maroon 5. It was a totally different take. Um, and if, even if you, the, the few kind of bits of Kara's flowers that still remains, you can see how it was an, a huge departure. Um, and I do think The Sun is like a direct... Like it feels like the most like a soul song. It does, yeah. It yeah. feels quite different. Like yeah, and the and Mama, know. I've been crying, like referencing how they used to be. <laughs> yeah, she says the battle's almost won, but we're only several miles from the sun. It feels like very euphemistic. It feels very churchy. Yeah. It feels like and like you know referencing your mama and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like it's taken from sort of soul music yeah. and blues. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because like I think there is this like question around like cultural appropriation with Maroon 5 because they do borrow these references like really um, heavily but I think it's you know in this album at least I don't listen to their other stuff (laughs) it's very respectfully done and they always very much they've always been shouting at the references all the time they've never tried to pretend Mm -hmm. like they've come up with any of this for the first time I'm really upset with myself because there is a record shop which had a really hot man that worked in the record shop Mm -hmm. another one of my many Adams who didn't pay any attention to me and I really wanted to buy this on vinyl Mm -hmm. but then all the other boys got in my head about it not being cool enough so I didn't buy it and now I hear it's a it's a great collector's item really and I could have had it see that yeah Yeah. but they let boys stupid voices and rewriting of history I mean (laughs) no boy introduced me to this no boys like this no boys like this none of them I think it's jealousy (laughs) Yeah. I think they're jealous of Adam. I agree. I agree. Um, let's burn through the rest of these because we're slightly running oh, yeah, out of time. Um, okay, then we've got Must Get Out. I think it's the weakest song on the album. It is, yeah. I, and he's just too hes too angry in it. And it, I, I don't really actually believe his emotion very much. No. The, I'm lifting you up. Oh, yeah. I'm putting you down. Yeah, it, he is putting us down with that bit. Yeah, it feels like middle of the road, like easy listening rock station. Yeah, it's definitely one I skipped quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And didn't really fit that much into my narrative of the story. So, <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> functionally useless to me. <laughs> completely useless. Um, Sunday Morning, which was the third single. And I love Sunday I Morning love still. I Sunday Morning, yeah. And it's, um, the, it, it is, again, like the Walking Home from School one, it just is... It is just being in just your house. It's a nice and listening to it on a Sunday morning. And it's it to me expresses in their fictional relationship mm-hmm. him going away traveling or wanting to leave her. And I like the yeah. like he, he says like he if he could leave knowing she'd always be there, he would. And yeah. them always being there for each other, which I did read they are still friends. So maybe he achieved that despite not following each other on social media. Um <laughs> I think I think the the thing about Sunday morning, um, it, it it in the story of the of the album, it's this thing of like this rare moment of like softness and domesticity and mm-hmm. comfort and like niceness. It's like mm, there's some covers, yes, yeah, yeah. and it feels like this rare moment within this very tumultuous relationship where they're able they're to just be normal, happy, yeah. And it's like if we could have this all the time, all the time, then it'd be great. We'd have no problems. I mean, maybe this is why there are no songs about be happy, Prinsloo, because. It just is Sunday morning yeah. with her all the time. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I, I don't know if you get this in your writing at all, but people often ask me when I write like romantic heroes or romantic relationships if they're based on my partner. 
and I'm just like no because there's not any drama there. yeah exactly <laughs> I it's just not really fancy it yeah, yeah it's all based on like little stories in my own head and I find if I'm not making stories in my own head yeah. I try to create drama or something in my own life so it's why it's very good for me to always be working on a book or working on something or working on a crush yeah or working yeah. on a crush because I that's just need such it. a good ethos I like to have all the drama in my head and fictional than in my real life which I like to be very steady and Sunday morning-esque that's a great bit of self-knowledge <laughs> and I hope lots of people who make lots of drama for themselves are listening to this they, now yeah just go and write a book <laughs> yeah start a fan website yeah. about Adam Levine in yeah the go and do some fan fiction which yeah. actually I might do in my head I've always seen this song and Mardi Bomb by the Arctic Monkeys as being an A-side and a B-side because mm-hmm. they're both like they're both about like domestic morning moments in failing relationships yeah and Mardi Bomb is like has that sort of like oh for fuck's sake kind of thing and this is the more optimistic side this is more American it. side of it yeah <laughs> exactly um, then we've got Secret another sex jam oh another sex jam which again I think is not about having sex with Jane but when he first cheats on Jane oh because um, he kind of is like I know I know I don't know you but I want you so bad yeah Um. everyone's got a secret everyone's got a secret yeah, it's an affair song. Yeah, it's right, an affair right, song. Yeah, right. I hadn't realized before there are two women in this album. There, yeah, huh. and this was when he first met Rashida Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really, oh God, I've really committed that to my head now. <laughs> that Adam Levine abused poor old Rashida Jones because they're about the same age, aren't they? Are, they? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> she seems happy now, though. She does. Yeah. Then we've got through with you. We were just really quiet. I yeah, can't. yeah. I'm going to make this through with you. It's I am never going to make this through you. It's very musket out to me. It's kind of yeah. of the same. It's the same anger writing. It's the same. Yeah. And I don't believe him. I guess I don't like. I mean, I guess that's maybe the point. He's not through with her. But yeah, I think. Um, mm, yeah, it, it feels like another one of the slightly more Backstreet Boys songs. Yeah. Which makes it... Well, I guess it, that little, like, synth... Yeah. Is it synthy? Synthy. Yeah. And it's also this thing of, like... I think I think what's weird about Adam Levine's vocal delivery is he sounds like someone who's being auto-tuned, but that's his natural voice. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He really does. You know? And Very then, odd. Well, I don't know. They must... Maybe they went out... Because was auto-tune a thing? Oh, yeah, because auto-tune came in with yeah, She right. Believe, so... Yes. Um. <laughs> she says she's not into melody. Yeah. Um. Oh, God, sorry, I just laughed away from the microphone. Um. Uh, so it must have been, but I wonder if they eventually auto-tune him later or... Yeah, I, th- I think that's how he sounds like. It's just him. That's just how he sounds. <laughs> um, and then we go on to Not Coming Home. No, I just don't pick up the phone because I'm, I'm not coming, coming home. <laughs> and I think the most interesting thing about this song is um, is the live setting because it starts. Oh, because it's in the yeah, it's the it's the screaming. Yeah, yeah. it's the, 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 the clapping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's you know placed towards the end of the album. And you know if we're to believe Adam Levine's take on this being like he had a relationship breaking down and he also had his band getting its first big mm-hmm. break. I think this is the thing of like. It's very spiteful. It's, it's very, very spiteful, just like, yeah. well, okay, you you never thought I was worth shit. Now I'm going to be in a huge rock band. Yeah, it's you know? very um, Avril Lavigne and um, Skater Boy. <laughs> <laughs> very that. <laughs> That's what this yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, Laughing at a pregnant teen. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Every single... I'm not going on Tavra Levine. She's so mean. Um, <laughs> she's, yeah, she, does, she hates other women. Yeah, she really I does. Love her. <laughs> yeah. Finally, we have the, the final sex jam and the final song of the album, Sweetest Goodbye. This was how I because okay. this, this is the song that's on the um, Love Actually soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's um, played in the car when Colin is um, <laughs> talking, God of sex. Yeah, talking about how he's going to go to America. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this song that on the Love Actually soundtrack that got me looking up who's this band, yeah, what they're doing, and again it's just those lyrics of like I can't they've completely escaped my head, but it's got that same thing that she will be loved has of yeah. He just loves her and he's going to come back to her. And even though they're going to live independent lives, this to me is when they're going both off in their gap years. Um, (laughs) Good, good. They're still going to come back to each other. And of course, it is very sexy as well. Yeah, yeah. And it it is that thing of breakup sex, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you know what? Once more for all times. You know, this is like a friendly set. And then that sort of midway through of being like oh you're a fucking dirty bitch yeah <laughs> bring me closer to heart attack <laughs> exactly precisely and that's the album that's the album I'm so glad that we went through it. I've never <laughs> been able to talk so much about my love of this album and I feel so invigorated yeah I feel very invigorated it was really fun <laughs> I'm like I have some so obviously this album came out in 2003 and it was a genuine slow burn mm-hmm. Um, and then and I think it was the videos that sort of got teenagers' attention and then got reviewers' attention. And then because the reviewers noticed the teenagers' attention, it was just so filled with, like, ugh. Yeah, so... So the reviews at the time, um, particularly the English... The American reviews were quite um, mild. The English reviews were so unforgiving. The Guardian, in the first few years of Maroon 5's career, were absolutely eviscerating them constantly like sending journalists to for gig reviews and stuff just being like this is awful i've got a few quotes here um the loaded young progeny of beverly hills families they're also buff as personal trainers and have attracted a celebrity following that includes natalie portman and kirsten dunst but their first album isn't as useless as one would hope isn't as useless as one would hope. So it's already the thing of like, these people are too attractive and too rich yeah. for us to genuinely like this. Songs About Jane is pitched at the busted market for which their guitar mashing and surging harmonies eminently qualify them. Given a few listens, the idea of busted plush lashings of sincerity, this being a Californian band, isn't as unpleasant as you think. Oh. And then um, six months later, the, the the Guardian sent a gig reviewer to their first American, the first English gig of a mean fiddler in London, and they call him James Levin. <laughs> <laughs> James Levin, L E V I N. James Levin can't decide if he wants to be Anthony Kiedis or Prince. Maroon Five ends up sounding like Busted meets Cream at a Lenny Kravitz gig. They're obsessed with bu- they calling them Busted. I mean, I loved Busted. I love Busted. <laughs> Oh yeah, here's the here's the worst line from that review. Despite rummaging through various back catalogs like rats ravaging pizza boxes, their songs aren't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so backhanded. Awful. <sighs> With one from Rolling Stones. With James Brown-like guitar riffs to create a foundation on which Levine can obsess about beauty, brackets including his own. Oh. And it's this thing, and this is sort of my, my parting shot on this. I'm sort of obsessed with... um. He was too beautiful to be taken seriously. He was too beautiful to be taken seriously. And then eventually 
that morphed him into I think he must have just been like oh he, well he if you're never gonna, yeah, yeah if you're never gonna take me seriously then I'm gonna make as much money as I possibly yeah. can and it's funny because when I look at bands like Coldplay for example who are you know a band who've been around forever and they and like they went from someone who like people regarded at first, as first as genuine musicians and now people make fun of they haven't really changed mm-hmm. the songs just got bigger and Chris Martin had bigger collaborators and like really if you if you like the stuff back then you'll like the stuff now that's not the same with Maroon 5 it's it's just like it's it becomes something that you put on at a toddler's birthday party yeah it really has yeah <laughs> and it's a sh- I think it's a shame because this album just to me when I was thinking about it this morning and about how much I listen to it still and how it's been I was shocked to learn it's been pretty much 18 19 years yeah and I was listening to it and still loving it and still loving those lyrics and still feeling so much with those lyrics and I was like it's just a shame that it's not remembered it's not remembered in that way yeah and you know it'll be 20 years soon and imagine if they toured it <gasps> Could um, we go? Yes, I know it's the first time we've ever met, but could we go? go? Could we go? <laughs> I, I there's nobody die. else in my life who would want to go. <laughs> I would love that so much. Oh, so it would be such a fun night out. Especially if they did small venues because <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Oh, it'd be so good. No, oh, it'd be so good. Um okay, Katrina. This has been sentimental garbage. You are the author of The Matchmaker. I am. Tell us about that. Oh, okay. Um, it is. <laughs> really bad. Sorry, that was a really bad segue into please tell me about your work um, so we can sell some copies. It is about a matchmaker, Shock, um, who is selling her business as a successful romantic matchmaker, but she's hiding a secret about her own relationships. And um. that kind of unravels in the plot. And it's kind of about uh heartbreak and grief and mostly about how your friends are the loves of your life oh lovely and you're also a poet and a journalist you can be found at katrina c-a-t-r-e-e-n-a-h i believe yeah a i think there's two a's so it's like c-a-t-r-e-e-n-a-a-h so it's to help people pronounce my name oh you pronounced it very well (laughs) it's nice because I've been following you for years I think because of your poetry and we've never really interacted and then when I started posting about songs about Jane you crawled right into the (laughs) DMs with I have a whole story about what this relationship was and I said come on the fucking podcast I was so excited (laughs) thank you so much this has been great thank you (laughs) this has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue You can follow me on Twitter at Zaraline, that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, or email me about the podcast at sentimentalpod at gmail.com. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast. Thank you to Harry Harris for the jingle, Gavin Day for the artwork, and Hannah Varrow for the mixing. mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma we have something to celebrate every mom in your life every mom deserves a moonpig card get 50 percent off your first card at moonpig.com moonpig.com